Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Uh, John and uh, Matthew um, from the Samurai Brothers, and I hope you're all having a uh, wonderful week. And uh, it's going to be episode 18 of the Samurai Brothers podcast. And uh, today we're going to be going over some uh, uh, slight highlights from a few uh, international competitions going on. And then um, after that, Matthew, I just want to see how things went on your side. Uh, I'm sure you were at an MMA event last night, or at least watching one. And then um, the Sumo Banzuke, which for those of you who don't know, the um, Sumo Wrestling in Japan, the uh, next... Uh, tournament, which is the July slash Nagoya tournament, uh, the rankings have been released. So that means in two weeks we're going to have a new uh, Basho slash tournament coming up. So uh, going to look at that really quick. And then um, Beth, uh, just kind of uh, throw back to some One Piece stuff, I guess, as we're now in the first week of the hiatus before the next chapter is going to be released. So uh, welcome, Matthew, and uh, thanks, uh, as always, for um, being here. So, uh, Matthew, um, I guess the... uh, Well, go ahead and start with the the, uh, USA Wrestling. The women's team uh, went to an event in Italy called the Matteo Pelicone. And um, so just uh, uh, looks like a few women uh, were able to... Uh, take some medals, and uh, I think they took third. Um, you had, uh, I'm, I'm looking at some of the ones that they had, uh, had uh, uh, that medal and stuff, and so I'm seeing, um, I guess, Yelena McCoyed uh, is the first uh, woman who earned the medal for the U.S. Uh, women's team, and uh, so she looks like she had, uh, uh, I'm trying to read, where she got through here um doesn't look like the the men's greco did that well but if we're going through you had uh on the first day it looks like uh in rome italy and uh, yelena mccoyed uh took gold uh in the 76 kilos women's um but if you're looking at some of the others uh, doesn't look like uh, men's Greco. They didn't have anything going on. So looks like um, looks like uh, the men's Greco team might be off to a rough start, don't you think? I would say so. This, you know, the men's Greco, even though U.S. men haven't always been the most um, accomplished when it came to men's Greco, we've usually always been able to have some success. But I would say this is probably one of the weak. I think one of the reasons why uh, they're trying to get encouragement um, and encourage participation is probably because this is one of the weaker um, men's Greco teams that we've ever had. Probably. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, I think uh, for the past couple of years now, you know, the fact that uh, we've gone over this before, the fact that they have to, you know, expand the eligibility field for getting into the world team trials and meds is quite something. And I, I think the fact yeah. that, you know, I don't think they, 
not too many of those college wrestlers, I think, participated in the world team trials as far as Greco was concerned. I mean, obviously you had um, the only notable name to my recollection uh, was Colton Schultz, who ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, but that's because he was already kind of good at it anyway. So that was just his ticket into there. But I'm not too sure that I, you know, saw too many other collegiate yeah, wrestlers. Yeah, WWE uh, NIL sponsored Colton Schultz. Right. But uh, I think you were trying to make a point about how, you know, there's not a lot of collegiate wrestlers participating in the Greco. Right. Yeah, and yeah, it, it is kind of uh, it is yeah, it is kind of interesting that yeah, right now we have low participation, and then yeah, it's it's. I don't think I remember a time when NAI men's wrestlers were ever um, you know, uh, given any kind of uh, eligibility in terms of like, oh, come on here. Not, 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 not D two, not NAIA. It's just, it just, you just don't see that happen. But here they are, in you know, modifying the mo- mo- rules for Greco and saying, "Hey, come, we need people." Essentially, so you know, it's understandable for like women because women, there's essentially only two divisions right now. There's not, even though, you know, we're women in the NCAA is in the, uh, the, what's it called program? The, um, well, technically there's three women's divisions, but you know, that NCWA is literally aside from JC, the lowest level of, of, um, the WCWA. No, I'm talking about men's there. There is, there is actually a women's NCWA division. Oh, okay. There, so, so yeah, there is an actual women's NCAA. And NCAA, NCAA itself is emerging because there's supposed to be a championship season. There's supposed to be a championship tournament uh, for the 23-24 season. Now, I forgot the women's NCAA has not gotten out of the um, the uh, emerging sports program. Uh, yeah, right? Um, I think it's still there, but I think it's supposed to. Well, it's gotten to the point where they have enough programs now that they can make a championship uh, event sponsored by the NCAA. And Which will I, be a first. Right. But I think what's going to happen is that this is going to be, uh, in my to my recollection or my understanding is right now, because I know Iowa is the is the major D1 program, but all the other ones are D2, D3. So I have to guess that this particular NCAA Women's Championship that will be coming up in, you know, two seasons is going to be an across-the-board event. I think there are several NCAA sponsored sports that are across that that essentially are yeah yeah across the board essentially have no divisions because some right. of them are just so thin that even though they sponsor um, 
even though they sponsor championships, it's just, yeah, again, it's so thin that in order to justify having a championship, they are, they have to just put everyone, regardless of level, into one pool. So let me see here. Um, and then the next day that they had, um, a couple more women were able to uh, medal. So you had for 65 kilo uh, women's, you had Emma Bruntill. Uh, she took silver. Uh, at 72 kilos, Skylar Grote took gold. Um, it looks like uh, 59 kilos, Abigail Nettie. Uh, did she? Oh, she lost the. Oh, she's going to. Oh, this one it has her wrestling for the uh, bronze medal match. Um, although it looks like uh, it looks like they did take an alternate at 72 kilos, Matthew, because I see they have a Marilyn Garcia from California. She she actually ended up taking fourth. She almost medaled. So it looks like this was an open event as far as what countries could participate. Because I think I saw there was um, like Emma Bruntill. Uh, she ended up wrestling two women from Ukraine. So I think in terms of, you know, who could participate, it looks like. Um, you I know, I. You know, something I just realized, isn't Ukraine one of the uh, nations that regularly sends a full team? Ukraine has, I mean, you know, since it is in a former Soviet bloc country, um, I think it does tend to send quite a few. Yeah, because I, because, and this week I'm definitely going to be trying to actually put together those statistics of the spots. Uh-huh. But, um... But the uh, but I think in the 2021 World Championships they actually did list Ukraine as having full 10 10 10 spots. That's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, considering what's going on right now, I mean, that's pretty. This good this was point. obviously this was obviously pre um, Russian invasion. Uh huh. Great. So um, let me see here. So they did, uh, and then the final day, uh, final standings for the women. Um, I think I had seen somewhere, did Nettie actually get it? Nettie uh, did take bronze um, at 59 kilos. So again, like I mentioned, the women, uh, there were, I think it was two, was it two golds? There was a gold, a silver, a bronze, and I think that was it. Uh, and the and then the final and then the team standings. Um, now I don't know if this was the the final team standings or not, but Ukraine took first, and then the United States took third. So who uh, took second? Poland. Kind of a <laughs> kind of Poland. A, yeah. That's kind of a an unusual Poland. Uh, Poland, yeah, that's not one that you uh, that you see often on the uh, on the podium in wrestling. 
kind of a yeah. Like I, I do, it's like when you think of wrestling, you do not think of Poland. Like yeah. when, well, you know, when when they when they were a Soviet satellite, the Soviet satellite states had their own sports teams, right. but I don't recall Poland ever being that good at at wrestling. East Germany got good at wrestling, I think. But since they merged, they Germany hasn't been especially dominant at wrestling. Oh, so one thing I want to make sure I mention here. Oh, and then, yeah, Marilyn Garcia, who was third at the 2022 uh, Team Trials Tournament, she is also the 2019 NAIA champion. So uh, that's how she obviously got to go, because she is an alternate. Um, now it says here that the Mateo Pelicone is the third ranking series event of the season and will help determine the seeds for the 2022 Senior World Championships in Belgrade, Serbia, which takes place from the 10th to the 18th of September. So this is here, a ranking event. Here's a weird thing that I think might um, play into it. I'm wondering if, like the Olympics, where they have multiple qualifying events, uh-huh. I'm wondering if something they have something similar for the World Championships. Well, like, you, like, I mean, like we've, been, we've been discussing that before. Like, like you have to, like they said, you have to compete. You have to actually compete in the um, in your regional. But I'm wondering if there's other tournaments that might allow you to qualify. Yeah, good question. Because it's it's the only thing that makes sense. Why in the world would would all these teams be able to take like you you've got some you you had some uh, nations take full teams right. that you wouldn't think of normally, right? But and you know it's so or you know a good majority. Like let's face like let's face it. How India almost took a full team. I, I think they were like one or two positions short. Right. When you think of wrestling, how often do you think of India? Um actually I can think quite a bit about India. Um, well maybe you're more uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen yeah. Yeah, they it's, wrestle. Well yeah, I, I was aware of the fact that they wrestle. It's just that that that's I don't think of India Let's let's face it. You don't think uh, see a lot of medalists from India. Oh, in yeah, the world medalists in in the world championships or the Olympics. Not very often. I've seen them a few times during my lifetime since I've been there, following been, the Olympics. But some here and there. Yeah, but it's they're not typically who I think of on the podium. Right. They're they're so. They've it's they've they've got to be there has to be other competitions and it's clearly regional because again you've got these multiple nations who you wouldn't normally think of sending full teams like and I still don't know why Mongolia wouldn't at least try qualifying some some Greco maybe they're just not that, that good at Greco but when the Mongolians are sending full freestyle teams in both both um you know sex divisions. I mean that says something. So there's 
just like it said, the seating, I, I really do think there's, there's gotta be some other criteria. There's it's, it says you need to enter someone in the regional tournament in order to qualify. So I think they're sending people. So I think the criteria is send them to the regional tournament from there. If they're not like in that, um, in those, the, um, like we talked about, like the top six or something like that. I think from there they go off of regional tournaments, like the, the like this tournament. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, let me see here. I think a couple other events that are happened. So they had the U seven U seventeen Pan Ams uh, in Argentina. So um, they had six uh, six ladies uh, claim gold. Um, and the rest of the women's team uh, did medal. So quite a strong showing for the U-17 women's team. Uh, your gold medalists were Annalise Merrillet from Somerville, South Carolina at 40 kilos. Caitlin Valdez from Colorado Springs, Colorado, 43. Isabella Boca Negra from Glendale, Arizona, 46 kilos. Ava Ward from Centralia, Missouri. 49 kilos. Um, I'll get to that. Um, Perseus Gomez from Denver, Colorado, 53 kilos. And Michelle uh, Rebic, Rebish, I think. Washington Township, Michigan, 69 kilos. So, Matthew, uh, Centralia, Missouri, how far was that from St. Louis? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what limit, you- Centralia? I'm trying to remember. Was there anyone? I don't know if there was anyone from. I'm trying to remember if there was a college that we went to that was in Centralia. Uh huh. Oh, speaking of which, um, did we read over the sad news about Hannibal Lagrange getting let go? Hannibal Lagrange. Uh, n- not yet. I okay. have not heard that. Okay, so um, I. Read a while back that um, the Hannibal Lagrange uh, men's team. I don't know if they have a women's team, but definitely the men's team is getting cut. In uh, which which um, school or division is this? Is this they're DR? NAI. Oh, NAI. Okay. They 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 were the school that we were always guaranteed to get an easy dual win in. Even though I I never won and I never won wrestling a Hannibal Lagrange guy, but so yeah, it's like if, it's like. They came, they came, they came into our house. We won easily. They, we went to their house. They won easily. They never had a full lineup. I don't think they always had at least one well, or two forfeits. I'm so, know, if, if they, if they let him go, if they let him go solely because of lack of participation, I'm surprised that they didn't get I, like that sooner. Well, I gotta imagine if probably normally what'll happen. If a program goes on for a long time, even if it's not yielding results, one of the reasons why they won't cut it is because if the head coach is there for a long time. So, um, you know, that'll have that'll happen quite a bit. So, well, another possible. Well, another thing that happened, I think someone was like bankrolling. The program. Yeah, if you lose your sponsor, yes, that will definitely um, that will definitely affect uh, the program. 
Well, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, but the reason was this same article said that there's another um, uh, school that's starting up wrestling in uh, in Missouri within that within that area. Uh, where was where was Hannibal Lagrange? Hannibal Lagrange, I don't know if it was north, south, or west, but it was um, because St. Louis, so Mobat by default's in the, the almost as far east as you could go in the state. Um, it, it Hannibal Lagrange, named for I think the city of Hannibal Lagrange, is. It was it was a small town. It was like a little boonie town. It's 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 similar to Lamore. You, you had to go east. I would like to say, yeah, you had to go east. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's either you lose, it's, either it's you not lose your coach or you lose your sponsor. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know that um, you know Golden West. The coach uh, left, and they they cut the program. Oh yeah, uh, Dale Defner was. Well, the that's that's coach similar. There. That's similar to um, what happened with uh, Pensacola Christian College. For um, we haven't talked about. I don't think we've talked about this, but um, so on the program. So um, once upon a time, uh, Pensacola Christian College had a wrestling program. The original association they were in was the National Christian College Athletic Association. They once had a wrestling division. Then in about after the 1997 season, the the NCCAA dropped wrestling altogether. Yes. Uh, the uh, NCCAA of note is not an exclusive division. There are NCAA and... Um, NAIA programs both in um, both in you know the primary division but also in um, the uh, the uh, rest in the um, yeah in the NCCAA and the thing is for those who don't make like believe it for those the they do actually have some national tournaments and it's specifically for the um, schools that don't make it to their primary associations tournament. Like if um, if a NCCA member association um, school doesn't make it to the NAI tournament or whatever division of the um, the NCCA tournament, they can go into that uh, tournament. And it's very been very interesting because they do have a football division. And they have a bowl game, and there's been several times where an NAIA or uh, against the NCAA football team has gone against each other in that bowl game. But anyways, uh, I I um, but I I regress. Um, so the um, so uh, Pensacola Christian College had won several national championships, but um at that point there were only six schools so if you're the best school of the six it's, it's easy to win so the NCCAA cut um wrestling and that's when um Pensacola Christian College moved into the newly formed NCWA 
at which point they won one or two national championships and then um uh bigger fish started coming in there and but they were yeah. still in contention they always had all americans but anyways uh jim and dave Hayeswinkle, they were actually uh they wrestled in the army and they were actually multiple time olympians but um the Hayeswinkle brothers coached at um Pensacola christian college so at about the time i was looking at colleges i was looking at going to Pensacola christian college because um they actually um Pensacola christian actually has is the parent um organization of the uh abeka book uh abeka um homeschooling mm-hmm. materials the abeka academy so because of that income college income i think it's still pretty cheap even nowadays it's below ten thousand for your entire four years below ten thousand dollar education how many places most state schools don't even know uh yeah, yeah, guarantee yeah. that you may even do like a few, like at minimum, you might even do just two years at community college and then at a state school and you wouldn't uh, get that cheap of an education. Yeah, I think my total education, because I went through community college, three years of community college, two years at a, at a four year. And the four year, each semester, it, the tuition kept growing. Like, I think by the time of my last, and and actually that was two, that was four regular semesters plus a summer class, actually. And I think, uh, I think that was something like two summer classes. So, and, and the summer class you had to pay, you didn't just pay per class, you paid for the summer which they were charging you, you know, full-time tuition for part-time classes. Something like, you know, I think at that time it was like sixteen or eighteen hundred dollars just for, you know, to take a summer class at a four-year. So the fact that you know you could you could do you know ten thousand dollars at a at a private, at a private school, you know that's pretty something. So I'm, I'm not surprised that. Well, dad de- depending on the the private school, if you get scholarships, it can actually be um, as cheaper, cheaper than uh, um, than a uh, um, a state school. Right. Yeah. Which that, I- that, which that was my case. Which you know when I went to Mobap. I think I only came out with um, fifteen thousand in student loans, which, considering, I've heard horror stories where you know, oh, some yeah. you guys, in, uh, school, they come out with six digit. It, yeah, loans. that's a that's a regular occurrence. Students coming out of out of school with like six digit, you know, loans, and and uh, and, and it doesn't guarantee you anything, thing, especially you know, yeah, if you've you get a crappy major well yeah i mean they go to these they go to either these prestigious see a lot of them what ends up happening is they go to these prestigious schools you know because you got to have the big name because you know the thought is is that you if you go to school and you get the you have the big name 
you know, excuse me, I'm a bit stuffed today. But if you have the big, big name, you know, on, on your diploma that you're going, you know, that it's going to somehow be a job, but you're not, you're not taking it into account. Like you're saying, people go out and get these crappy, you know, diplomas or crappy degrees that have absolutely no market value when it comes to getting a job. It's like, okay, what specifically did you learn in order to be able to do the job that you're applying for? And so either, you know, these big name public schools or, you know, the big name private schools or the Ivy League schools, you know, and, and then, and then what happens is, so they'll, 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 so then what happens is that they'll go to school and then afterwards they'll go to school again and go get a master's degree for who knows what it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like you had something that you were able to actually turn into something. You, um, uh, you know, you you went you uh, you got a degree in Japanese, right? I did get a degree in Japanese, but I got lucky. I got lucky because I got picked up by, you know, well, you got to remember, around the time that I graduated, we were in that recession. You know, back at the turn of the, the decade. Um, but, yeah, I was lucky that I got picked up by a Japanese company. Yeah, um, you were lucky. I wasn't. I, it's... Being able being able to speak Japanese was, was key. I didn't really have a, you know, I didn't really listen to mom and dad and get like a, uh, a minor I... in something. You know, so I was stuck on that for a couple of years. Well, like, for example, me, I went in studying social sciences. My goal is to become a history teacher. I finished, realized that's not exactly what I want to do, and all of a sudden it's like my degree is worthless than anything else. Fortunately, recently I've been able to turn that into an administrative assistant um, right. position. And also my work, um, my, getting a, uh, my what's it called certificate, my um, – Web design certificate that's translated into the paralegal, not not the paralegal. I'm studying to be a paralegal, but that's that's transitioned into my administrative work as well. But it took me a while. Right, you know, uh, if if you're really wanting, you really need to know what you're wanting out of when you're going to school, if you're going to go to school, or or if you're going to have, you know, something that's a bit of a broad degree, you, you got to have something to fall back on. So either you need a double major on something or you need to have like a minor or something. Yeah, um, you know, well, you know, the, the thing or, was or you get some, you get, you study something in a field that's in demand because, you know, a lot of these people, they go out and they get these degrees in fields that are saturated. You know, there's 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 too many the the market demand is not there for their degree or their skill sets. You need to go into something that, you know, will guarantee not necessarily guarantee, but it, it's something that's in demand. It needs people to be able to do those. You know, something very interesting, even though as far as my knowledge, nursing has always been impacted 
I don't think it's ever been saturated. There's always, always, always been a demand for nurses. So it, it's if that's if that's something that you know someone wants to um, go into a, a easy field to get something, then that's what they could or, do. Like our our cousin, for example, we're not going to name her, but um, you know she didn't have any she didn't have any post. To my knowledge, she didn't have any post college education, but she went. She did a um, she did a two year two three year. Um, Degree yeah, got her nursing program. She's got a job. Yeah. Um, anyway, but but also this is another thing where I regressed. Um, the point I, I was trying to make is that we were talking about longstanding coaches. Um, Pensacola Christian College. I was looking to go there. I actually had actually talked. Uh, Jim was the was the primary coach. Was he? Well, heck, you even went out there. You went out yeah. there for a Oh, visit. yeah, I flew out, I flew out there. there uh, I flew out there with Dad on uh, spring break uh, my junior year. And it was funny because, um, you know, we've talked about the character Tom Casperi before. When I told – it's – it's we're, 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 we're going to call him a character. This is one of those times where I'm just going to bring something up. When I told him where I was going to visit, he kind of mocked me. I'm let we're not gonna bash on him too much. That's just that's just you know as far as it's gonna go. But anyway, so yeah, I was looking at going to um, I I went out there with Dad. I met with uh, with um, Coach Hayswinkle. I actually did some uh, workout sessions, and uh, he was pretty he he wanted me. He was just like, yeah, well, it's because like we said, with as low of a of a price as it is. Might as well be on scholarship, but then um, probably about uh, during the summer before my um, during the summer in between my junior and senior years, he tells me uh, he calls me and he tells me um, I'm uh, my brother and I are taking a job at Marion Military Institute. They they and they didn't even bother looking for a coach. They cut the wrestling program. I'm just like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> so. Dad and I did some surfing around. We went, uh, you know, we talked to a few coaches. Jackson liked what he saw and, you know, offered me the best scholarship offer. But it was just, but yeah, it's just an example that we got to in a roundabout way of, you know, that it's either they lose the sponsorship, they cut the program, or they they lose the coach and they cut the program. I don't think it, if anything, it probably brought money to Pensacola Christian College, but one thing people have to remember, Pensacola Christian College, they have a strict student code of conduct because it's, it's, I think they're technically non-denominational, but they've got Southern Baptist roots. So there, it's a very conservative. You have to, the, the gals can only wear dresses, the ankles, the dress can, it has to be only, it's like, I'm not, I'm not sure it could go above the knees. It's like the PDA, unless you're married, is is very strict. So f- trying to find a coach, and I don't know how much she was being um, paid, but wow. find, trying to find a coach for a very specific. Um, coach salaries are very interesting because it really depends. I, I mean, 
you know, even even now, there are some coaches that, you know, they, they're not, un, unlike football and basketball. Where they're making millions of dollars. You, these coaches are not, uh, you know, dep- even depending on where the, what, what school it is, wrestling coaches are not making enough to make, to make a, a, a living off of, you know, they're I getting think a stipend. Making, I think Kale's making the most. Kale's, Kale's making good money because of his name, because of the fact that he's, you know, bringing championships to the, the team. Yes, he's making a six-figure salary, I think. But even even you know even with the success he's bringing, he's not he, you know he 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 has a to my recollection he has a multi-year he has a multi-million-dollar contract that spans several years. So it's not it's not like he's making seven figures a year. He's only made he's not he's probably made I think it I think it was public. Well, obviously because it's a public university. I think he's only making, he's not even making, I think, 200 a year or something. But, you know, I are mean, you that's, sure? That's, that's are you sure? Are, as, are, are you sure? Because as I recall, when he first went over there, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a small six-figure salary. He was, when he went to, to Penn State, he was going, he was, the most paid college uh, coach, and I, I think it was towards well, the. I, I, I don't. Digits. I don't doubt that. I think it was towards the mid six digits yearly. Okay, because I, I I I'm pretty sure I had read somewhere that he was he was making um, slightly over a hundred thousand. That's I I thought I'd read that somewhere, but maybe I might be you know maybe I read. Something else. I don't know. You know, that, that'd be something we'd have to look up. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, the, the thing is, is that a lot of, a lot of coaches, uh, you know, that they, they, they um, take a stipend, you know. Well, what, what, another, be... another example, all, all to back you up, um, uh, Jackson at MOBAP, he doesn't just, um, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, um, he's not just the coach there. He's also an adjunct professor there because he's got a business degree. So he teaches business there as well. Right, right. right. A lot, yeah. They, these, these, these coaches have to. And Vince, you know, uh, you know, Vince Silva, he's, um, he's talked about before, right? Publicly. Yeah, he's, he's got a business. He, yeah, he's, he's a, a PI. He's, and right. he makes good money to the point where, didn't you say he was offered the San Luis Obispo coaching position and he turned it down because it would be, be a pay cut compared to his, his private coaching, his, 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 uh, his PI his, business. His, yeah. Yeah. His, his. Don't blame him. Yeah. So, um, anyway, but yeah, so, and even, um, what was it? Yeah. Even depending, you know, depending on the on the college or like even the high school, some of the, these coaches they'll only get like a four figure stipend for the whole season. Yeah, like most, yeah, like most colleges, no, most high schools that I know of, they they typically have the coach, the primary 
coach is, the head coach, typically has some job related to the um, right. The call, like um, like most of them are typically teachers. Yes. The only uh, Alan Clinton at what's it called? Um, Servite. Servite. He's the athletic director, as far as I can yes. tell. Is he still the athletic director? I think so. I mean, he's still at Servite. The last I, I, I don't. And now I don't know if on top of that he teaches there. I know that. Well, I know that it wasn't unfounded. He was also the athletic director at Elmo before he went to Servite. So, by the way, I found an old uh, kind of, I don't know if I'd call it a newspaper clipping or something, but article? I uh, not sure if it was an article or not, but um, because I've been doing some uh, history checking because I'm trying to, you know, compile the records, um, you know, the wrestling records. And um, so... I think I had mentioned this to you, but Alan Clinton was supposed to was supposed to be um, he was supposed to take over as head coach at, at Santa Ana College. Um, you did not mention that. So Frank this Gonzalez, Frank Gonzalez was the head coach from ninety two to ninety nine, and then he stepped down because he wanted to get more into more into counseling, which was he was that. only the head coach from ninety two to ninety nine. Yes. Didn't he coach a bunch of All-Americans during that time? Um, yes. I think after, because you, um, Santa Ana had Adelman, who was the coach for like 17 seasons or something like that. He was the wasn't first. He, wasn't he Gonzalez's coach? Uh, no, actually. So, yeah. There, there's, it's really interesting because um, there, there were actually two Frank Gonzalez's. Yeah. <laughs> they look so similar, though. So, yes. So, there was the Frank Gonzalez, who was the state champion, and he went off to, he went and wrestled for, like, a Nebraska D2 school. And then you've got the Frank Gonzalez that we know, who, you know, coached El Dorado to the, um, you know, the first, um uh, you know, CIF state championship for Orange County. Uh, you know, that that's the Frank Gonzalez. The, 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 with with, he did, with, he did with the Lawson brothers. Yeah, he did wrestle at Santa Ana College, but he was not as successful as as the state champion Frank Gonzalez. But you know, he he actually as he probably after I mean, you know, because Adelman won the Adelman won the first state championship, you know, at the three C2As for Santa Ana. Um, and then I know Frank Gonzalez, uh, he had quite a few state champions, All-Americans, and then he did have a third-place finish during his tenure as the coach. And then he stepped down 99. And then Alan Clinton was supposed to take over for the 2000 season, but he he relinquished that duty before the season even started so i think that's how that apparently that's how vince silva got into the head coach role we should interview him he seems like an interesting guy who to talk to 
Vincilva or? Well, obviously we want to have Vincilva on the show at some point, but no, I was talking about uh, Alan Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a very interesting guy because we've talked about how there was essentially, and we're not going to get too (laughs) in-depth into this, but, you know, there was kind kind of an old boys, we talked about how there was kind of an old boys club in Orange County where they kind of all socialize and, you know, even though they're competitive, they were all friendly towards each other. But Clinton was kind of out. It's like he was friendly towards those guys, but he was kind of outside their social circles. Hey, man, I mean, that... Like, I, I don't I don't recall him being social with a bunch of those guys. Uh, if you want to aim for that's a that's a pretty big name to aim for as far as I, I know we've talked about getting people on the show, but hey, if you want to try and get Alan Clinton on, I mean it'll probably take a while, but uh, hey, if we can get Alan Clinton on, I'd say okay, yeah, let's get him on. <laughs> I'm 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 down for it. Probably need to get some other people on before we get Alan Clinton on, but hey, I'm down for it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, we are now, it seems like it's running pretty smoothly. We are finally going with what looks like a stable um, platform, and it's it's Skype. Yeah, of all things. Um, so, Math, I think we'll close out. Um, I think we'll close out the wrestling. Uh, yeah, you, 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 t- U17 women. U17 women. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, uh, they, pretty much dominated um i mean all you have to do is look at the team standings 225 points second place was brazil with 124 so not not much to go on there well you know it's when we when we look at the pan ams uh, this year the brazilian women were there there was a full team with the um mexican team all across the board but that's because they were um the host nation so everyone had to just travel to was it acapulco or mexico city i think it was mexico city. yeah everyone just had to travel to mexico city whereas you know i wonder i genuinely wonder if brazil's wrestling being like the set like being up there I wonder if that that had to do has to do with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. Maybe. Maybe. So um All right, so Matthew, was there uh any MMA events going on last night? Okay, so let's see. Okay. So last night there was UFC on ESPN. Um you're not gonna know these names. Uh, I think that's spelled uh, Sarukyan versus Gamrot. Yeah. <laughs> the, these are up and comers. The only names that I recognize was Neil Magny, Josh Parisian, Thiago Moise. This, 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 this was one of those. Um, let's get the up and comers on the up and coming new people on a card. It was on ESPN, but you know, it's just 
you know, it's just one of those. Oh, things. Have you ever, have you ever, um, I've been, I've been kind of immersing myself in it, uh, these days, but, um, thanks to, uh, uh, chiseled Adonis. And, um, so he, he will do, uh, these commentaries on these fights from, a a Russian promotion called Epic Fighting Championships. I think I think you've seen sent me his videos before. Yeah, and it's kind of a I I, I know it's 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 pretty much a mock promotion because they do like intergender matches or they they do these really wacky um, you know they'll do like handicap matches and stuff and um, it's a really that's weird... what that's you know officially Russian MMA is regulated by the the Russian MMA Federation but. I, I think Fe- Fedor Emelianenko was in charge of it at one point, and well, I think that particular promotion doesn't even try to follow. I think it follows the minimal rules <laughs> because it doesn't really follow a lot. But anyway, so so I guess um yeah, you're uh, it was you know it was it was kind of well. I mean, was there any exciting fights from last night, or was it just kind of here and there? I mean, it, there were some finishes here and there, but last week's uh, fight card was more exciting because it it tied um uh, for the um it tied for the number of uh, finishes. Now, um, wasn't um, wasn't the Chinese girl fighting last week? Uh, Weili Zhang. Uh, no, she fought at the beginning of, of the month. Right. That was was that when she won June twelfth. Was that when she won the the title? Uh, nope. She uh, well, remember I told you she she uh, retired, Joanna. Right. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. So that wasn't the title. the The current title holder is Carla Esparza. Who, fun fact, was the first strawweight champion and. Uh, this was Esparza versus Nama Yunus 2. And I have to agree, I'm not exactly sure that... Actually, I don't know. Thinking thinking back on it, I could see how um, some of the judges scored for Esparza. A lot of people were contending that decision, but it's, uh, it's just one of those things where... You, you and I both know not just from rest, not just from MMA, but in wrestling, the old time saying, "Never leave it in the hands of the judges." Yeah, I've been on, I've been on both ends of that because, you know, I've gotten bad calls and I've made, I've made calls that people weren't happy with. Now again. There are a few times where I may have benefited from bad calls as well. So, yeah, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna benefit from bad calls, and you're gonna you're gonna um, lose, you know, from from. I don't want to say it's bad calls. It's calls that you're not going to agree with. You know, now there'll be there'll be calls that are just even even I can agree that you know. There is a call that's bad, but, you know, other times it's just, it's a call that did not go your way, so you're not going to agree with it. That's that's how it is. And, you know, that's 
but if you're if you can't you know if you can't take your punches and 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 get up and learn from them then how are you supposed to grow in life anyway so yeah so um there were actually three mma events last night so uh, the UFC on ESPN event was the one that was on uh, last night. On Friday night, um, there was Bellator 282 Mursasi versus Elbin. And Musasi actually lost. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I know you know who he is. Gegard Musasi yeah. to Johnny Eblin. Yeah. It's kind of a name I'm familiar with. Yeah, um, there were some fights in the Bantamweight uh, Grand Prix quarterfinal. I don't think you're going to recognize any of these guys. Right. Um, then in the uh, the Professional Fighters League, uh, five, I don't know why they keep call, why they call them specific events for the season. This is PFL 5 for the 2022 season. Okay, kind of, kind of um, going off. Um, there was so. Do you remember how um, Rising was able to get Floyd Mayweather to go over there, and and they they had him fight Tenshi Nasukawa. Isn't there another another one of those exhibitions yeah, happening? Yeah, they they've got they've got they've got. Um, They've got Floyd set up for another fight. And uh, if people pay him, he'll he'll box. Yeah, so he's gonna be going against. I uh, mean, did didn't fighter. he make more, didn't he make more money versus uh, um, Logan Paul than he did against in any of his other fights? <laughs> yeah, Logan Paul. That was. <laughs> I can't I mean, believe I can't probably, believe it, I can't believe that was an exhibition with no judges. Wow. Exhibition with no judges. Oh, he didn't he didn't knock out Logan Paul. Draw. Because it was all <laughs> it was about the pay-per-view, man. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I gotta wonder how they're gonna, you know, and and um it's probably it's probably gonna be again. It's gonna be probably yeah. It's gonna be exhibition, and uh, he's probably. I mean, this uh, Mikuru Asakura. I mean, he's he's okay, but you know he's a he's a former Fighting Network Rings 143 pound and 154 pound champion. I mean, that's that's not. You know, okay, so MMA, what is that? We, we, we have seen it. MMA doesn't transfer to boxing. We, we, seen, we saw it with Ben Askren. We saw it with Tyron Woodley. We saw it with Tito Ortiz. And we saw it with... Yeah. And then he's a YouTuber. With Conor McGregor. <laughs> and we, it's, it's just... It's, they're different sports. MMA right. may include boxing, but boxing is just so much more different. It's long. It's a longer fight. The 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 um you know it's bigger gloves, so you're not gonna automatically knock someone out. 
You don't have to worry about takedowns, so you can do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't have to worry about in an MMA fight. You would be able to do stuff that you, you wouldn't even have to worry about in a kickboxing fight. Like, if it was even a kickboxing fight, Conor McGregor would have had the advantage. Because he would have been able to throw the kicks. Which he wasn't able to do. I mean, he he's... So, yeah, it just, it doesn't translate. So, uh, like, the, the, like, one of the few MMA fighters who's been able to successfully make the transition was, is Anderson Silva. So, Matthew, what, what events are coming up this upcoming uh, weekend? Uh, well, I wanted to, I wanted to finish the, the PFL event. Um, so, PFL 5, 2020 season, that was also on, uh, on... Uh, Friday. Um, in the main event, uh, Ma- Matthias uh, Chevelle upset Bruno Capeloso um, in a decision. But here's where it gets interesting because of the um, the uh, the what's it called format, the season format, and the uh, the um, the uh, the points awarded Bruno Capelozo because um, earlier in the season he got a knockout in the first round that earned him three points. Uh, Shafel Sh- is not moving into the postseason tournament. Mm. Mm. Um, but then in other news, Stevie Ray upset Anthony Pettis. Oh yeah, I heard he was fighting this weekend. Yeah, Anthony Pet, which Anthony Pettis has done done far better mm-hmm. this season, huh? Because last season, uh, he admitted that he was underestimating his. The problem with Anthony Pettis, he has to be very motivated in order to do, to do well. Last season, he wasn't motivated. He right. just come out of the UFC. He was on a new contract, and he. Didn't do well, didn't even make it into the postseason. This year, he's the number one seed, and he has a chance in the first round to avenge that that upset. It's been a very interesting season because you had fighters get injured. You They brought in substitutes. The substitutes did so well that they're in the quarterfinals after winning one fight. It's been an interesting season. Like uh, in the um, in the featherweight division as well, Chris Wade he um uh, uh he won his first uh, round fight. He's going into the uh, um the uh, the postseason tournament. Great. But then you had guys like Lance Palmer, who was a two-time champion. He only got a decision and didn't make it. Whereas you had um, Georgi Kuda, who lost his first fight, but he got a he got a um, first-round knockout uh, on Friday. He's in the postseason. Oh, here's another guy who you probably will only, you're, you will recognize, uh, Bubba Jenkins. 
Yeah, that's a that's a name that's I've heard before. Yep, he uh, he won his uh, second fight, so he's going into the postseason tournament as well. You know, looking at these results, I have to agree with them uh, shrinking the postseason tournament from an eight-man bracket to a two-man bracket. Or, no, from an eight-man bracket to a four-man bracket, considering that in some of these divisions, they didn't even have eight guys who won uh, matches. Right. So this, this I agree, this is a better way to do it. Um but to answer your question, uh, this coming weekend, um, PFL six, uh-huh. uh, you have the uh, women's, uh, the golden girl of the PFL, Kayla Harrison, going against Caitlin Young, who wasn't even supposed to be in this season, who's stepping in for an injured Julia Budd. This is essentially, I can tell right now, they're, they're throwing her basically a, a throwaway fight. I would be really surprised if she, if she didn't win this fight. She's, got, she's probably going to win this. Um, but then in the co-main event, you have Rory McDonald. You should recognize that name. I do. Uh, going against uh, Sabido Sai, which I, you know, it's like, I know that they probably, it's, it's, I know that the seating is supposed to be random, but there's times where I just look at him just thinking, I don't think that's coincidence. Like, it's, it's some of these matches, I'm just like, it's, it's, it's like, they're, they're they're throwing it's like they're, they're throwing these people up a, a tune-up fight. I don't think it's a complete random draw. I think some of these fights are they're they're doing they're actually doing matchmaking. They haven't been they haven't said that. And incidentally, there's a private company. They don't have to reveal how exactly they came up with that. But I think that I think they do matchmaking. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, and then that's the last uh, regular season event before the postseason. I think. Let's see the twenty twenty two season PFL seven, which is going to be the first round, takes place in August. They're gonna have three fights in uh, three fights in August for the postseason, and then November is the. Uh, Oh, uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend. November 25th, PFL 10. That's when they do all the um, championship fights. Mm -hmm. It's been really nice to be able to watch the entire fight card on uh, on ESPN Plus. Because I have ESPN Plus. Um, I'll just say someone uh, pays for it. So I just watch ESPN Plus. But we don't have regular ESPN. So uh, last year, I wasn't able to watch all the fight cards. Back when they were on NBCSN, which I'm kind of sad to see that station go, considering the long history of um, MMA that was on the NBC Sports Network, because it was versus, so they had the WEC on it at one point. Then they had some UFC events. Then the uh, 
back when the Professional Fighters League was World Series of Fighting, they had it that. And then when it transitioned to the Professional Fighters League, they had it on there. But once they moved to ESPN, um, NBC was looking to shed it just because of the fact that they were moving a bunch of their sports programming to Peacock and the fact that um, the NBC Sports Network wasn't doing that good. They just let it go. So just because of the long history of uh, MMA on that network, I'm, I'm kind of sad to see it go. But what are you going to do? Business is business. Yeah, um, business. So, yeah, uh, Friday is, uh, yeah, the PFL uh, 6. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, then uh, Saturday's. Uh, UFC 276. Oh. Which is the traditional... Um, you know, one of these days... One of these days, I'm going to go to uh, International Fight Week in Vegas. It's, that's one of my bucket list events. It's like, I want to go there. One of these days, I'm going to go there. And I'm kind of sad because there was a time when the... Um, International Fight Week, it was all week. They had all sorts of competitions. They had grappling. They had amateur kickboxing. They had the amateur amateur MMA World Championships there. They had a whole bunch of competitions. They had wrestling events. Like the the standalone um, flow wrestling. They had some of that. So the heyday is, is of that event. I think the heyday of that event, um, I think they still have the UFC Expo, but it's just the heyday of that event. It's just, you know, I'm kind of sad to see it. Um, I wish I could have gone when it was the heyday where there was something going on every single, like every day of the week. Now it's like four days of the week or something like that. Also, where when they had like multiple MMA events, there was a year where they had Invicta, the the uh ultimate fighter finale it's just it was it was a big event but that's just not what it is nowadays sadly it's down to it's down to four events but there was also that time where the ufc was like really trying to go an overdrive where they would have sometimes have multiple fight cards multiple uh weekends and it's i'm gonna be honest i think during that time i kind of got burnt out because i'm just like there's too much yeah. Now, granted, back when the pandemic was uh, at the height of the pandemic, it's like I needed MMA because I needed to do something. I couldn't go out. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Let's see. UFC two seventy six. Adesanya versus Cannonier. Here's an interesting thing. Jared Cannonier used to be a heavyweight. Oh. Now he's a middleweight. Oh, so he lost. But. But if you look, he wasn't, I don't think, I would not have called him fat. He was never fat. He was just big. Yeah. But it's gotten to the point where he's kind of more streamlined. He's not starving himself. He's just streamlined himself. He's, you know, he diets properly. He doesn't, isn't like depriving himself. He looks like a, you know, he's a big behemoth. So, um, he's fighting Israel Adesanya, who is basically the, um, Anderson Silva of our generation. All right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say uh Izzy's gonna walk away with that. Izzy as he's he's called. Um 
Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. I just because of the fact that Volkanovsky has um it he it seems like he just has Max Holloway's um number. He he just he just knows it. All right. Well, that's good. And this stuff is the to know. this is the trilogy fight, and it's not a rubber match. It's a trilogy fight. Volkanovski has taken the first two. Um. Okay. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna know too many other people. So yeah, that's that's as far as I'll go. So yeah, PFL six on Friday, and then Saturday is is uh, UFC two seventy six. All right. Um, so kind of to close out, um, our episode for today. So Matthew, um, remember the days when we were living in Japan and we used to watch sumo? Yep. Well, sumo is, uh, we, we, I should know we got there. We got there during like, oh yeah, we were, we were there during the, what's called, we were there. What was, we were there during what was called the Wakataka boom. Um, and that I think was the the pinnacle of sumo popularity um, in Japan, you know, because they'd have full houses, you know, whether it was in Tokyo or whether it was at the regional tournaments, um, you know. Well, because you had the rivalry of Takanohana and Akebono. Well, and the, I, I the think well, the it, secondary it, scene wasn't bad either. Well, it depends on how you view it. From our perspective, yes, we saw it was Takanohana versus Akebono. But to the Japanese, you also have to throw Wakanohana, who was Taka's brother. Older brother. Yes, because it was these these two guys who were the sons of Takanohana, the first, who was a very popular wrestler back in the 70s. You know, and and in turn, he was the brother of Wakanohana the first, who was a popular yokozuna in the fifties. But you know, these guys, you know, these these guys were like the you know the good looking, you know, pretty suave athletes and stuff. But yeah, they were taking on like Akebono, uh, you know, Musashi Maru, you know, and uh, Takanohana had, um, I think, back in ninety three, ninety one, it was ninety one. And uh, he had beaten Chino Fuji in what was like this passing of the of the you know the torch, torch. Um, match, so to speak. But um, well, you know, there it wasn't just it wasn't just you know you it's you it's you had the 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 ha, I, isn't their actual name Hanada? So yes, their family their family name was Hanada. Yeah, so you had the the I'll just refer to them as the Hanada brothers. You had the Hanada brothers. You had Akebono, who was the first um uh, foreign, the first Yokozuna. foreign Yokozuna. You had um, Musashi Maru, who was who became the second foreign Yokozuna, and he did pretty well for himself. You had Konishiki coming off of his prime. He was still there, but you know he was that he's still the heaviest uh, foreign born. Uh, 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 he is no, not not anymore. Actually, that was someone who passed him up. He well, he was the heaviest sekitori, which is basically the the heaviest salaried wrestler. And right. he, what was it? It was like the Russian, the Russian guy never made it to Jurio. 
yeah, the, the Russian guy never, uh, Aurora, never made it to Jurio. Yeah, he, but you also had Mainomi, who actually had to get, um, yes. did they put saline on top of his head? He, ins he inserted silicone, because he didn't. Yeah, he, in order to meet the minimum requirements, he got a silicone implant on his head. Yeah, in in um, he was the smallest uh, sumo dikishi at the time. He you was, had yes. me he was the smallest sekitori. Uh, you you had Mito Izumi, who was known for doing these like giant. You had a. It's like you had a. It's it was, it was. It was quite a time. <laughs> let, let's 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 put it this way. It was the attitude era of pro uh, of of sumo, in that you had all these personalities. There wasn't room for the top, but there was certainly room all across the card for these guys. Not to mention all the, the up-and-comers who were... Um... Yeah, because I think... What was it? I think... Was, did did you like Konishiki or Musashi Maru more? I like Konishiki. Konishiki was my favorite. Musashi Maru was my second. Because I know... I know... I know... Um, Dad liked... Sadly, I never got to meet either of them. Dad liked Minomi. He called he called Minomi my main man Minomi. <laughs> That's how he called him. And uh I don't know, I didn't really um I think I liked Konishiki too, but I, it was when Tochi Azuma the second, when he came up, I really liked him. And so that's why I was a big fan of his until he ended up retiring. But um anyway, so um yeah, I think it's just uh, you know, that was that was a different time. And then, you know, um, after all those guys were gone and... Um, well, at the very end of that era of those guys, you had Asa Shoryu. Yeah, Asa Shoryu came up. He was the next dominant Yokozuna, the next Dai Yokozuna, uh, you know, and he was the Yokozuna with attitude. And, um, you know, they he, just... He was the guy that the Yokozuna committee was always worried about, that uh, a foreign... Uh, Sumo wrestler would not would not um, right. he would not be culturally the... fit, which is right. why they held Konishiki back, which was ultimately for the best because you know Konishiki didn't. Dirt. It's like because during that time that Konishiki was arguably had arguably fulfilled the criteria, that was his peak. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't because because here's the thing, Konishiki. He never won another U show after that run. And had he made it, he would have been gone within probably a, a year or two. We he should probably not. note that Konishiki is still involved in the um in Japan, not in the sumo um community. He's um well, he's kind of here and there in the sumo community and um he's more of an uh, actor now. Well, you know, I mean, he kind of, he does all sorts of stuff. I mean, but recently, and um, I was noting this on... Um, Didn't he lose like 300 pounds or something? Well, like yeah, that? he had gastric bypass surgery. Uh, which, which, I, um, which my understanding is it's recommended that you get bi gastric bypass when you're healthy. Not when you're having all the, um, you know, the health problems that overweight people do. Right. So he was healthy, so he got it during the right time. Um, no, well, you should probably uh note that Konishiki and Musashi Maru are Samoan, and um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names because they're Samoan, they're complicated Samoan names. And um, Akebono 
birth name Chad Rowan is Hawaiian. So one thing I have to mention, because this was brought up in the sumo forum, which, uh, you know, big shout out to um, uh, just just so everyone knows, I go I go under the username Wakatake um, at sumo forum. So uh, and it's sumoforum.net. So um, what? was your re what was your reasoning for that because well, remember when i when i wanted to become a a sumo wrestler i was thinking uh, i don't know for whatever reason that name came up and and i thought man if i become a if i become a rikishi i want to i want to use that name but it, have it, you ever it, thought about entering into the the um u.s sumo open and um and maybe when, I, maybe when i'm a bit more in shape maybe when i'm a bit more in shape because i'm not in any any shape to do it right now. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I still want to get back into the wrestling stuff. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to go to the, the practices at, at Santa Ana. So um, last week I didn't go because I was I was out sick. And, you know, I mean, you can hear it on me right now. I'm a bit stuffed, but um, going to get back into it uh, this upcoming week. So, but yeah, I thought about that. You know, it's like, uh, do I want to go out and do the, the, the U.S. Open? And, uh, you know. Uh, maybe. I mean, they do it out here in California. So, um, anyway, uh, where were we going? So, the oh, close. We, we have official sumo records. Oh yeah, <laughs> we do. I think it's like one and one. We both went one and one. Well, because I think yeah, you won the one match, and then you lost your next match, right? And you, same thing with you? Yeah, same thing with me. I thought you went one I match. Was a, I was in more. a bigger bracket. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you you were able to get one round ahead of what I did. Um, anyway, but just to kind of, just a quick finish on Konishki was that um, there was a, um, a forum member posted how there was an event uh, that Konishki held to celebrate his having come to Japan, you know, his 40th anniversary of having come to Japan. And there were actually some uh, current and former Chokai members that were there to, you know, help celebrate the event, such as Wakano Hana, you know, um, the third. Um, and then also the um, current, and then the, and then the NSK chairman, uh, Hakaku, was also there for that but um you know so right now you know you had you had asa showed you and then after him it was hakuho who you know just dominated. i read somewhere that hakuho to this day still considers asa showed you his greatest rival i wouldn't doubt it i mean if asa showed you yeah if asa showed you had not been forced to retire and that's because he did something stupid you know whether people bring it up or i mean at that point that you know i think kyokai really wanted him out and it's it gets to that point so you know i think if he had not had to retire hakuho would not have 45 yusho under his belt right now you know uh just just um going back to the Kyokai and, you know, not the fear that foreign, 
Yokozuna wouldn't have the, the dignity and respect. Asa Shoryu was the embodiment of all that fears, whereas every other foreign Yokozuna has been the embodiment of their of respect. So Akibono was completely respectful and you know of the the um traditions of a Yokozuna. Um Mutsashimaru was the embodiment of um the of the traditions of a Yokozuna. Hakuho had some hiccups but for the most part, was well, the embodiment here's, of, of... Here's the thing. Hakuho, unfortunately, those hiccups came towards the end of his career. Because he started, he started doing stuff that made some people cringe a bit here and there. And, and those, those antiques were both on and off the, the dohyo. In, in, in my... And, and this is coming from a personal opinion, too. I mean, there's... A, there's a wide variety of opinions about, you know, hey, well, he was a, he was a great Yokozuna. I'm, I'm definitely not going to ring against the achievements he got. I mean, 45 U show is it's nothing no to laugh at. Over, what was it? I think it was 1,100. It was... He 1100, set records that over are not 1100 going, career wins. He set records that are oh, he set records that are impossible to, to right. um, beat. There are yes, he set records that are that are not going to be broken for probably a generation or two, at least, if, if ever. If if ever, <laughs> the one record though that he was very close to and he just could not get it was Tabayama's record. Of uh, 69 consecutive wins. He got to 63. Got to 63. He was almost there. And he he um, he didn't make it. And uh, I, I think uh, I thought I had read somewhere. He considered that one of the low points in his career. Like he thought about um, he thought about withdrawing from the tournament after he lost that match. Uh, but he but he rebounded and he came back to win the U show in that tournament anyway. Um, I know though that, so, you know, and, and, and a lot of people are saying stuff, you know, a lot of people are saying a lot of this was like racially motivated, but you know, they got rid of the, so there was, there was this, there was this independent panel who recommended that the NSK get rid of the Ichidai Toshiori system, which if you remember, that was that was special one generation Kabu that was awarded to certain Dai Yokozuna for their accomplishments. And if you remember, the ones who took it were, that was Taiho. Taiho took it. That's how he established Taiho Beya. You had Kitano Umi, uh, who won 24 Yusho, Taiho won 32. Kitanoomi established Kitanoomi Bea. And then Takanohana, um, you know, when he won his, you know, Yu show, and then he was bestowed that Ichidai Toshiori status. And uh, so when he took over his father's uh, Heya, he renamed it to Takanohana Stable. Um, I think, though, 
it was a combination of the fact that Takarohana got a little bit rebellious when he tried to, you know, stake a claim and trying to become head of the NSK. And, um, you know, he was probably moving a little bit too fast and he was moving a little bit too radical. And there's people that are obviously going to say that, you know, he was railroaded. There was this, there was that. I know there's a, there's actually a, um, there's a, there's a YouTuber, um, that, uh, he actually has some good content, uh, and, and he's in Japan. So he's got a lot of like, um, access to the ins and outs and what's going on in, in the sumo world over there. Um, maybe in a couple of couple of episodes or so, maybe I'll name him and stuff. But um, there's been times when he's been a little bit more on the conspiracy theory side um, about sumo. And uh, so I can't really say I appreciate his content when it comes to that. Um, so, you know, I think just one of the things, uh, you know, that he was ousted because, you know, the Kyokai doesn't want to change and all that crap. But I think Takanohana's conduct was probably one of the reasons why they decided to get rid of the Ichidai Toshiori. And Hakuho's conduct was another reason why. So you got people saying that, that the Kyokai getting rid of the Ichidai Toshiori was because... You know, it was racism against Hakuho. That may or may not be true because, hey, you know, it's like, hey, you know, they've been showed up by a by a gaijin for the last, you know, 15 years or so. And there's nothing that they could do about it because, you know, he keeps winning. But the thing is, is that, well, okay, if you want to prevent him from winning, maybe you guys need to raise up some good and hungry Japanese wrestlers to be strong, to win. And, and the thing is, is that even after Hakuho is gone, you have Tenno Fuji. And Tenno Fuji is a miracle show in and of its of, of himself. I mean, you know the story of Tenno Fuji, right? Uh, no. So Tenno Fuji, he got to Ozeki back in 2015. And then um, I think the next year or so, then, then he got injured. And instead of taking time off to heal, he would keep entering tournaments. He'd barely make, you know, Kachikoshi. And then he would come back the next tournament and then he would have to pull out from injury or he'd have a losing record. So then he'd be Karoban, which would force him to come back the next Basho to try and save his Ozeki reign. So he would, he was doing stuff similar to, um, Hakuho on that he should have just rested up, but he just kept trying to. Yeah, well, Hakuho had the benefit of being at Yokozuna, so yeah. that's why Tenro Fuji at that time didn't have that benefit. And so, what ended up happening? Well, um, it got to a point where Tenro Fuji was just so battered up, his knees were, you know, not good. And um, it was later discovered, you know, he'd been battling diabetes, among some other things. And um, so it got to the point where he lost his rank, and then he couldn't he couldn't um, compete. Continue, yeah, he couldn't compete. So he dropped all the way down to the unsalaried ranks. And, From and, Ozeki. 
and Ozeki. He didn't just drop down. He dropped down to the Johnny Don. And, and, and um, you know, that's isn't the fifth that division. The, isn't that the bottom? That's the fifth division. The, the, the second, second from the bottom. So people thought he was going to retire after he dropped, but, you know, he kept going. Surprised a lot of a lot of people. I would imagine that at those lower levels, once he came back, he was just plowing through those guys. So the first tournament he came back, uh, would end up how I um, he would go. He went seven and zero in the first tournament, and then I think he, um, but he did not win the playoff, so he didn't actually. Um, win the, the, the U show of that division. In fact, I think after that, so if I go back to his records, so he went to went seven and zero, and then he had three consecutive six and one tournaments. So it's not like he was plowing through. Um, it was, it was only when the fifth tournament, he came back that he, he did a seven and zero, and he, <coughs> won the Makusta tournament that he got promoted to, back to Jurio. And then, the, and then in his first Basho back in Jurio, he won the, the Jurio U show. Um, and then he, in the next Basho, he went 10 and five, which was enough to get him promoted back to Makuno Uchi. And, uh, you know, so everyone was like, man, you know, props to him for, you know, really sticking it out. And then, you know, and that was around the time that COVID struck and they canceled the, the May tournament. Um, but then he won the U show, the Makuchi U show. Um, and this was around the time that you've got Hakuho on the decline and then there's no one strong at the top. So that's where he ended up making his drive. And he's he is the Yokozuna now. He effectively replaced uh, Hakuho, and uh, he's at the point where he's won he's won seven U show now in the last two years. So, yeah, it's um, there's there's and with and with Hakuho out, he's the he's top the dog. At, yeah, he's the one sitting at the top right now. And he's Mongolian too, right? He's Mongolian too. Yeah. But he intends to he intends to stay on. But see, the NSK and the also the YDC, the Old Kozuna Deliberation Council, have a lot more um how would I say? They're um not not um not biased. Prejudiced. Um, no, they have a lot more favorable views of Tenno Fuji than they than they do of uh, of when Hakuho was active because Tenno Fuji, like Akebono, like Musashi Maru, like Hakuho at the beginning, is embodying that Hinkaku, you know that um, that quality, you know, embodiment of a, of a Yokozuna. So. And uh, you know it's, it's it's bad because right now you've got 
You got three Ozeki. <coughs> Two of them are caught up on this Basho. One of them barely made eight and seven. So it's, you know, things are in a real bind right now for, for you know, Sumo. Uh, and uh, we'll just have to see. But, you know, the, the rankings have been released for the for the Nagoya Basho. So, you know, we'll, we'll be following it along as, uh, as we go. Um, obviously, you wouldn't know a lot of these names. So, I'll, um, I mean, I don't know. Is there anyone that, that you, you might know from right now? Nah. Well, like like we've been doing with wrestling, you'll you'll start learning about who's uh who's currently in right now. So we'll 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 get to that point. Um, but yeah, you know. I just uh, know that Asa Shoryu's nephew is is yes, uh, Paul Shoryu. He's um he's the East Komosubi. Is uh, the do at the end the same uh, kanji yes. that they use for Asa Shoryu? Yes. Dyu means dragon, right? Or is it yes. a different kanji? No, it's it's the dyu for it's the more it's actually the more complex kanji. Because there's two kanji for you. And uh, this one is the more complex one with more strokes on it. So uh Asa showed you what did that translate to in um that one translated to morning blue dragon because it was asa for morning and then uh, and then owl for blue but they pronounced it shul okay um and so what is his nephew's uh so whole showed you i the the whole is um the the kanji for so the whole is is that that's actually yutaka which i think that that has to do with like <coughs> like good harvest or something like that I so think. the so the good harvest blue dragon or the harvest blue dragon yeah, it's like well, okay. I'm I'm looking it up right now. That so, it, the the kanji means rich, which uh, that would be not not so much like rich as in wealthy, money rich. Um, this would be more like a like abundant, you know, like, like bountiful, abundant, right? A rich harvest, an abundant harvest. So so it's like a so it would translate to. Abundant blue dragon or harvest. So, so blue no, the the show the show in this case um, stands for like rising. So bountiful rising dragon. Probably. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess as I showed you was was. I guess he was supposed to represent a name change, uh, an era change, which he kind of did. Oh, he most definitely did. 
his the 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 asa asa showed you can be considered to be the 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 stone cold hakuho is probably the rock <laughs> Anyway, so um, yeah, well, um, but we'll give updates to see. I, who, I don't uh, know if you wanna, if you wanna. Well, then again, then again, um, the Rock and John's. Then again, well, I was gonna say it would be more like John Cena because John Cena has the record of the number of uh, pro wrestling world titles. But then again, I was like, oh wait a minute, he and Stone Cold never. Had a match against yeah. each other, whereas The Rock and John Cena did. Of course, The Rock also fought against Stone Cold. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but, that, but that has more to do with the fact that Stone Cold's injuries just put him out earlier. Right. Well, uh, I think we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this up. And uh, so I think uh, there's, as always, there's going to be a lot going on. MMA events, wrestling events, sumo events. Uh, One Piece is on break, so I was thinking we were going to try and discuss stuff, but I think uh, we'll save that for uh, another week. So um, as always, Matthew, uh, where can our audience find us? Okay, we're still currently at the normal places, YouTube, Rumble, Acast, Apple, Spotify, and Google. And if you have looked at uh, Apple, uh, Acast, Apple, Spotify, and Google, you would notice that we have fully transitioned to the rebrand of just the, the Samurai Brothers. YouTube and Rumble are a work in progress, but I do have all the artwork done. So within the next week, you should be seeing the transition to uh, the Samurai Brothers. And uh, Matthew is, uh, he also runs uh, MMA Freak, which is a MMA uh, publication. Uh, you can uh, find him uh, personally on Twitter at Matthew Salzer. And uh, you can also find uh, MMA Freak on Twitter at MMA Freak Out. And the address for the site itself is uh, MMA Freak.com. Also, my I have started posting videos again for my personal YouTube channel. Currently concentrating on the Soda Gurus. I'm releasing compilations, but I will be do, uh, releasing new videos relatively soon. And uh, one thing that I, uh, I've been mentioning before that's in the works, um, I'm hoping to release uh, the prod. This is a project for the Wrestling Archive uh, Records. Um, that shows, you know, just how, and uh, this will be, you know, like co- college, um, high school, uh, international, just kind of seeing, you know, hey, who's all placed where, who's got the best records as far as wrestling is concerned, who is who has stood on top of the world a few times, like uh, Matthew, I've noticed, um, uh, Alexander Karelin, uh, if you remember the the, uh, the man who was defeated by Rulon Garner, but three-time Olympian and 12-time world champion. So Wasn't that's, he a four-time Olympian? He was a three-time Olympic champion. Right. And uh, But he you wasn't... A, a three-time Olympian, which oh, is okay. inaccurate. He was a four-time Olympian. Yeah. 
my bad. Uh, Three-time Olympic champion, he, and then he won one silver medal, but he was a 12-time uh, world champion too. So I got to wonder how that stands as far as records go. And, you know, you've got all the other ones. Who's the most successful USA wrestler? I mean, we went over that a couple times. Burroughs has a chance to be on the world on top by himself. We'll see. Um, so I'm hoping to launch that sometime during the summer. Uh, if I can compile enough records for that, uh, I will keep you all posted. Uh, so anyway, Matthew, as always, thank you for your insight on everything that's going on uh, to uh, everyone out there. Uh, thanks as always for watching us and uh, hope you have a great week and we will talk to you soon.